Hello there, and welcome to episode 18 of season number two of the Connect2 podcast. I am Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes, and I'm still Mark Hughes. Mark Hughes, back from the mountains. Back from uh, the land of no uh, no cell coverage. Ah, yes. Yes, and backcountry oh, camping. Nice, must have been a nice break. It actually was, and what was even more relieving is uh-huh. to come back and not really have very many messages. Oh, cool. So, yeah, because uh, anyway, for the last little while, the number of messages was like insane. Now, I do have a lot of things I need to do. Yes. Yeah. A very long laundry list of all these Excuse me. people I need to deliver stuff to and uh, things I need to get ready because this weekend we're off to Penticton. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, That'd be nice. Wine country. Right. We're going to uh, Clearwater, BC to uh, spend some time with uh, my wife's dad and cousins. and So that'll be... Uh, so you're looking forward to that? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to the break. I have, I have too, also had many things on my plate, including uh, something we're going to talk a little bit about today, which is uh, putting together a, a webinar. So it's been... It's been a lot of work. I have three events that I've got going in October. So just uh, and on top of all the other stuff. So yeah, marketing, marketing my butt off. Well, I have, I have no butt left. It's not a bad thing. Um, <laughs> so today's coffee. Oh, so yes. if you're new to the channel, rate, review, subscribe, particularly in iTunes, and because that's where many of you find us. Um, just uh, Google just Play. go go to the if you're in app, on your Apple mobile phone. There's a little plus at the yeah. top right hand corner. That means subscribe. <laughs> it's actually a lot harder to subscribe than it used to be. Was oh, that right? Yeah, it's not as obvious. Oh, okay. But if you do subscribe, you'll at least get notifications when there's new episodes. Right. You don't have to listen to them if you don't want to, if they're not interesting. But um, but at least you'll know about it. Some kind of pity subscription. No. It's, All right, I'll subscribe. No, it's like, uh, so Kara Swisher from uh, so from Pivot. Yes. With, has a new podcast. Has a new po- podcast yeah. called On. It already rocketed to the top of the podcast just by being advertised on or announced on pivot uh, yes like so she, she's got like some she had some crazy number of subscribers before she even did her first episode right that's awesome yeah so um it's not hard just maybe we could get them to mention our podcast on yeah. pivot so yeah how do you get uh how do you get to because they're they have the uh the little banter we don't have the sexual innuendo that's that true. they do that's but, true uh, well, um well i can conti- i continue to uh impersonate scott galloway wherever i can so eventually it's going to catch up with me and maybe we'll get a mention on the show <laughs> you know when i watched his table uh, for two i watched Mr. part of his cnn, sure. CNN plus show or what was it called mercy and malice it was kind of me yeah he is, is he's having but, his moment i don't know if it's how long i don't know what the longevity will be i mean i like his stuff his stuff is more interesting when he's got a foil Right. So when yes. it's just him, it's a little too preachy. Yeah, good point. So yeah, Kara like Swisher his, uh, provides a good foil for yeah. him. So yeah, so and he, I know like Karis, his solo thing is a bit like that too. It's just yeah, it's, it's just kind of yeah. too. It's too preachy. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, so today's coffee. Um, we're trying this. We had this before. It's uh, from Palette Coffee Roasters out of Vancouver. Ah, uh, Ahadu, a uh, Wubset. 
from uh, Ethiopia. I'm sure I've mangled it. I'm sure. Sorry. <laughs> this is a natural process and um, should be tastes of floral, bittersweet, chocolate, and cherry and spices. Oh, I get the chocolate. I see the bittersweet chocolate for sure. Yeah. And the That's cherry and spices, up. I can kind of see too. Mm, interesting. Not really picking up on the cherry, but yeah. Very nice. Yeah. The birthplace, Ethiopia, the birthplace of coffee. Yeah. They believe they discovered it in the ninth century and it was actually consumed as fruit rather than as a beverage. Interesting. Yeah. All starts with Kaldi, a young goat herder living in the mountains of Ethiopia. It said that Kaldi found his goats acting strange. He was they were jumping, dancing, and frolicking. He investigated and discovered that the goat had been consuming berries from an unfamiliar tree. Okay. Kaldi decided to try the berries himself and was find, surprised to find that he was so energized that he joined the goat in its erratic behavior. During this energetic so. outburst, a monk wandered by and saw Kaldi and his goat and asked what was making them so lively. The monk believed it was the answer to his prayers, okay. and he explained that he would always he was always falling asleep during his nighttime prayers. Now, with the help of the coffee cherry, he would be able to stay awake. <laughs> there you go. That's that's Little unbelievable. Note. So, do you have a dad joke? Uh, sure. Knock, knock. Who's there? No. No who? No, no dad joke this week. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, layers. It's meta. <laughs> it's very meta. So, uh, what can you go, uh, what will a hunter go searching for in the wild that you can also go looking for in your wallet? A hunter searches for in the wild. But you can also find in your wallet. You also search for in your wallet. Wow. Uh, change? Nope. can look for a buck. A buck. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so there's this. Yes. It reminds me of the old wood nymph one, right? This guy, uh, these two hunters are out hunting. Uh, like two old guys, right? And then this guy pops out, like they get separated and then they, they, one of them comes like out of this wood and he's looking a little bit like flustered, you know? And so his friend says, well, what happened to you? And he goes, this weirdest thing. I, I was out, you know, and then I heard a noise and I turned around and there was this beautiful uh, 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 wood nymph, right? And she wasn't wearing any clothes. And I just stood there and, you know, I was shocked. And she said, uh, I said, are you game? And she said, yeah. So I shot her. <laughs> so way back when, uh, in the early eight years of aircraft flight, uh, Einstein oh, yeah. was taking a flight and he got a seat next to uh, an Indian shopkeeper. An Indian shopkeeper? Yeah. Okay. So East Indian shopkeeper. Yep. And um, and they start talking it up. They find that they're very pleasant co co company. And uh, Einstein says, "Listen, you know this is going to be a bit of a long flight. Let's um, uh, how about we do like a question and answer game? So uh, if um, if uh, I ask you a question and you can't answer it, you give me five dollars. Is what Einstein said. Right. If uh, if you ask $5 me, $5 was a lot of money back then. I know. And this if, was happening. And if uh, you give me uh, a 
If you ask me a question and I can't answer it, I'll give you $500. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so the shopkeeper said, this sounds pretty darn good. Yes. $500. Yeah. So, 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 uh, so Einstein said, okay, let's, uh, let's start easy. How fast is the speed of light? And the shopkeeper is like, reaches into his pocket, pulls out five bucks, gives it, gives it to Einstein. So, well, that was quick. So then the shopkeeper asks Einstein, okay, what goes up a hill with three legs and comes down with four? And Einstein thinks, he thinks, and he can't come up with anything. So he says, okay. And he reaches into his pocket, pulls out $500 okay. and gives it to the Indian shopkeeper. Yeah. And he, uh, and, he, and uh, Einstein is about to ask his next question, but he says, wait a second, just before we carry on, <laughs> um, I, I'm baffled. What what goes up with three legs and comes down, up to, up a hill with three legs and comes down with four? And the shopkeeper reaches into his pocket and pulls it out and gives him a $5 bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Not so smart, are you, Einstein? <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. So what have you learned this week, Mark? What, what new knowledge do you have rattling around your head? Uh, well, a few things. Well, I spent a bunch of time backcountry camping. Right. I was very, um, very much interested when I was backcountry camping to... Uh, you know to optimize weight i, I missed uh, there were a few things that i forgot to bring but for okay but but it worked out okay but from a food perspective uh, like the evening meals was good the mm. breakfast was good i yeah. struggle a little bit with like the power bars as lunch or oh yeah, like yeah, yeah so uh yeah. and what was interesting is i'm you know going dehydrated having everything all very Yep. Very stable without a fridge. Sure. And I'm looking at uh, some of these other, so we, so at the camp the site that we had, that had a, like a centralized shelter where you could go and there, there were lockers for your right. your, your food. So keep it, keep it away from bears. Yeah. Um, but uh, man, oh man, there was, uh, there was uh, a lot of different approaches to backcountry camping that like there was lots of people with cheese and all kinds of food that I would have thought would be a little bit precarious for sure. backcountry camping. Yeah. And, uh, and there was this, uh, this group of, so there's this guy who's a photographer who was teaching um, photography for specifically for Mandarin uh, speakers. Oh, interesting. And uh but I'll tell you, I, I know he was teach is there to teach some photography, and there was there were there were like three women, and but the thing that was was crazy was the amount of food that they were consuming. Oh, is that and right? It was like it was complicated, like complicated food. So, and and this guy, he was he was built like a a brick shit house, like okay. a big strong strong guy, and he's doing all the work he's carrying the bags he's doing everything and and then they go to to have their uh their meal and you know he's doing like uh you know like there's a proper teapot oh wow with uh interesting with and and like four, three or four of these um 
burners. Okay. Like uh, to cook these meals. Yeah, they yeah, were yeah, cooking yeah. like full rice and like big bottle of soy sauce. And like it was, it, these were elaborate meals. And it seemed, I could, it seemed more like they were cooking than they were shooting. But anyway, it, uh, anyway, it was, it was interesting. And for me, I'm going like with this little pile of dehydrated whatever. And, right. And I'm going like, <sighs> Anyway, that was kind of, uh, for me, the, the backcountry thing, the, the thing that stressed me out a little bit the most, or at most, was was probably the, the food thing. It worked out good. But, okay, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, we found that uh, <clears throat> salami is good for mm-hmm. lunches. And then there's uh, this dehydrated cheese you get at, uh, you get at a lot of places. It's called moon cheese. I've, I've seen that. And yeah. it's really good. And, really? And it, it's, as long as you keep it dry, you know. Um, I did not know that what that so was. So lunches are uh, can be a little challenging, but on the West Coast Trail we did, uh, and the salami held up, you know, the five six days. And, well, I mean, dried so, dried uh, meats should yeah, be fine, like so uh, good. beef jerky and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And my wife tried a, a dehydrated uh, hummus that she rehydrated. Nah, it was it was okay. Uh, you need a lot of oil. Yeah. Uh, like, no, uh, you just no, but like hummus is oily. Tends to be oily. Yeah, so this was a little bit. You know, pasty, but yeah. uh, but it was tasteful. You know, it was tasty. So, so I learned a couple things. Um, one this morning. So the the standard railway is four feet eight and a half inches wide. Okay. And I was reading this this post. Standard gauge. Yeah, and it goes, and, and so the person who wrote the post kind of took it all the way back to England, and but it actually goes all the way back to ancient Rome. Uh, and the Romans, of course, built the first roads. Right. And they had these, um, their chariots, and they had these ruts. Right. And the width of the ruts was allowed, was wide enough to allow for two horses, right? Yeah. The width of two horses. And the guy was joking about it, horses' asses. So it was like, you never underestimate the impact that a horse's ass can have on your life, right? <laughs> Which is kind of a joke. But it was quite fascinating to think about how far back um, it goes, and in fact, they were saying about the booster, the solid rocket boosters on the space shuttle, the width of them and the and the dimension was was impacted by railway because they had to transport these things through a, a tunnel, and again, the width basically. So even that super sophisticated piece of technology, in essence, impacted by a decision made, you know, twenty five hundred years ago in ancient Rome about how wide they should build the. Uh, the wheels on these uh, chariots because it was Rome, they actually would build them standardized, right? So they set the standard. So I thought that was quite interesting. Well, I have uh, so I spent time to, on the weekend with the guy who was the risk manager for the province. Oh yeah. And uh, one thing I learned, so tied to measurements, mm-hmm. is that all the highways in Alberta. Um, have a minimum clearance of 5.3 meters. Was that right? Right. So if you're, and there's a difference between what, so the science is 5.3, but the actual clearance is always point, it's always a foot high. Right. It's 5.6, except for one bridge. There's one bridge on Calgary Trail that is actually 5.2 and is in fact 5.2. And it's the bridge that routinely gets hit. Oh, is that right? Yeah, apparently it's been wow. repaired more than anything else. So just that one inch that difference. One, 
Well, it's not one inch. Well, it'd be uh, it'd be point. It, well, so it's one centimeter. It's uh, it's ten centimeters. Oh, ten centimeters. Okay, well, that's pretty reasonably. That's yeah, so that's four know, on the four, height of a truck. Four inches. Yeah. So the it and it says five point two. It's just. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. You know, who pays attention? Well, well, you know, I, and honestly, how I many have truckers to... know exactly how tall your truck is? You're driving around, you're like, well, well, I must have, meet tolerances. I have a camper, right? And I actually had to go up and measure it to figure out how friggin' tall it is because ours is, uh, so it's it's 14 feet high. Okay. So uh, I, I I can clear if it says 3.8 meters or okay. higher. So <clears throat> what you discover is a lot of gas stations do not have. A lot of them do not are not fourteen feet. Oh, tall. interesting! Those little canopies over yeah, some yeah, of them yeah, are quite yeah. low. Wow, so, yeah. there's a great video on that about some guy knocking that thing over in somewhere in the states with his extra high RV. Well, I really noticed that in the states that uh, a lot of the bridges weren't labeled. So <laughs> take your chances, eh? Yeah. Uh, the other thing I learned, and I was watching a podcast. Uh, Lex Fridman's podcast with a molecular biologist named Michael Levine. And he's talking about these planarian worms. So he studies uh, cognition. He studies, you know, brain maps. And, and these worms are, are fascinating. So they are uh, like a, like very tiny little flatworms. And he basically describes them as being immortal because unlike other life, uh, most life, when it goes from one generation to the next goes down to like a single egg. Right. Mm -hmm. So these split apart so that they are never like, they don't regenerate or, or reproduce the same way that other organisms do that. The thing literally tears itself in half and then the new half becomes kind of like the, the new being. And then the older half probably dies off. And, and so you can actually trace these things 400 million years, like a continuation of, like a like a a multicellular organism as opposed to going through that that sort of simplification that squeeze down to one egg type thing and so they they study them because they have amazing regenerative um uh capacities so if you cut off the head the tail and the head of one of these things and they have a brain too that was the other thing that they have a brain similar to humans obviously at a much smaller set but a multicellular brain as i guess some other organisms have more simple brains but if you cut the head off and the tail off it will regrow a new head and a new tail and then the head will regrow a body the tail will regrow an entire body including a head and they were talking about looking at at electrical signals and they're able to to kind of imprint on not the dna but something in the in the uh nervous system of these worms that you can get it to grow two heads and then if you cut that one the next one will grow two heads again. And oh, wow. this is phenomenally interesting in terms of totally redefining Wait, really our understanding of biology. Sounds like a, and, the uh, dead pool of the worm. Uh, yeah. But like you said, you know, there's a lot of, of um, hypotheses without the guns and knives. around how DNA and all that plays. But this seems to be countering some of that because you're not changing the DNA. You're changing some of the uh, nervous system you know, and they're trying to figure out how does the thing know how to grow a head? Like, how does a tail have enough of the blueprint to be able to regrow like a functioning brain? And this is the other thing. It, it, it can, they can be taught. So it can be taught something simple. And if you cut off the head, 
and a new head regrows, it still remembers how to do the thing that it was that's taught. That's the so thing I This is I, phenomenal. That is, that, is, that is fascinating. Yeah. So uh, there you go. Everything you know about biology might be wrong. <laughs> Take that away. Well, the other thing I learned uh, in the past week was, uh, so my my espresso machine is making a hissing sound. So I'm going, oh, no, there's going to be something wrong. So An I, interesting sound? A hissing. Oh, a hissing sound. Like steam escaping. Yeah, well, that doesn't sound good. Well, it doesn't. Uh, so my wife was really concerned because it's never done that before. It's going to blow. So I went through the <laughs> cleaning process and right? disassembled a fair chunk of the espresso machine trying mm -hmm. to figure out. And then I watched some YouTubes and now I, now I know what, what it's leaking from. Okay. I'm not sure it's, it's significant or not. It seems to be a vacuum relief valve. So, oh, but um, I don't know what that that's exactly yet, but I'll figure it out. Sure. And, uh, but it's interesting to go through uh, just even, it's just amazing the stuff you can find on YouTube oh. about obscure pieces of equipment. I am amazed at just the internet in general, but yeah, YouTube, like, I mean, I've done anything I've done, I've done instructions YouTube. for stuff and you're like, this I've is done a... YouTube videos before and I, I find them just, they take time to put together and people do this like yeah. all the time. Yeah. Well, in, in fact, yeah. even when we were back country camping, there was this young lady who was clearly a YouTuber because she was videotaping everything with, you know, like, yeah, she was, she was, she didn't look like an Instagrammer because it was too elaborate and too much that she was recording. It was clearly YouTube. Yeah. Um, I got to see if I can find her, but uh, be interesting. <laughs> that would be good. Yes, if you watch my new YouTube video. No. It's called How to Wash Your Cat. And it goes like this. Don't wash your cat. What the hell's wrong with you? That's the end of the video. <laughs> and that took 12 hours. To <laughs> it took 12 hours to put together. Exactly. Um, it's 18 minutes long once you add the music and all of the graphics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the flowing hair. Yeah, and... it's quite the buildup. Yeah. Uh, so today we're talking about Effective uh, presentation. Yes. And um, you know, all, all kinds of, because there's all different kinds of ways you can do. But for what, from your perspective, what is the most effect, uh, important thing if you're trying to do a presentation? I think flow. Yeah. Flow. So I teach, of course, and, and we do group projects and uh, <laughs> it's painful. I see a lot of people who do, the uh, every single line of text kind of thing, and, just then, read and then read it. Oh. Uh, and you think, well, okay, these are students, and but I'm amazed at the number of of mm -hmm. professionals who still kind of pull that that approach. Well, I think people get very uh, very nervous, and they rely on it as a bit of a crutch. Yeah. And I think part of the problem from uh, from a presentation perspective is is if it sounds more natural if it flows it yes. will be always more engaging than something is like if you're just reading something yeah um so i i was just struggling with that because i so i got a couple of really good books one is called uh, uh presentation zen by a guy mm -hmm. named gar reynolds and he actually references a lady named nancy duarte who wrote a book called uh um resonate and so she is a an expert a guru around communication and 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 presentation stuff and 
you know, some very simple rules. So, so Gar Reynolds is more about the visual design yeah, yeah. and she's more about the, the narrative structure, although uh, there's a lot of similarities. And so it's really about telling a story. So they reference the, the hero's journey, right? You take the audience from kind of, they don't know what's going on to you, you raise something that causes them some distress and then you sort of take them with you and then you get them through this sort of series of, of high emotions, you know, this is a problem. And then you say, here's the relief, right? And then you try to engage people. Uh, minimal words on on the slides. Um, and I'm struggling a little bit with that because I'm doing this webinar. And I think webinar falls into a bit of a different, because if you're presenting live in a room, you know, you can be very interactive with people. And so I've I've put together this webinar that I'm doing in two days, and there's more words on the slides than I would do if I'm doing a live thing, and yet not too many. So it's but I think it's it's flow. It's remembering that you're trying to take somebody through a 15 or 20 or an hour long journey, and not just throw a bunch of facts at them. And it's like, uh, what does this all mean, right? What about you? Well, and it's tricky too. Uh, well, so the other tricky part about but specifically like Zoom webinar presentations is uh, you can't make people look at you because they're looking, if, you, if you're doing a presentation, it has to be present. You have to have the PowerPoint on. Yeah. And you can't use like fancy graphics or things moving around because that technology is unreliable. Like yes. It might work. It might not work. You don't really know what people's experience is going to be like. And if they're looking at it on their phone, they're just going like, why are you consuming all my data? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's um, right. Um, and, you know, and you have no way of gauging uh, engagement, right? Like if you're watching somebody, if you're doing a presentation and you have a room people and people are starting to, 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 to nod off or get bored or whatever you you know that you need to do something immediately i like to throw the eraser at them from the, the whiteboard hey i had a, I had a, I, I had a prof <laughs> wake up man so this is way back in the 1980s who is his name might might Maitachowski. he was like this russian guy oh yeah and uh he uh <laughs> if you were falling asleep in his class he would launch chalk at you. Okay. Like, and he had one hell of an arm, I right? Like, was this a university problem? This is a university Yeah. Problem. So you're sitting there and then all of a sudden this chalk comes flying at you and like, right. oh my God, like you could have hit somebody, you could hurt somebody. Well, speaking of presentation style, that's a really good point because I too had several profs and, uh, you know, instructors are terrible. I mean, some of them are, are oh, good, yeah. but some of them are terrible. And we had a, a gentleman materials engineering and he's a brilliant guy dr dorel feldman he was old back then and uh, i had a three-hour class with him in the hall building at concordia university and a central classroom no windows so like in the middle of the building and it ran from like 6 to 9 p.m type thing and i oh, remember man. it was brutal and he spoke with a monotone voice and a brilliant guy but just like and i remember one of my classmates a guy named mike like fell dead asleep right like just out like a light and it, you, people would struggle and uh dr feldman like stopped the lecture and he said to the guy that was sitting next to him and he was like and he spoke with a bit of a european accent he's like wake up this boy right it's just a shake shake the guy kind of like and he's, this is not the dormitoire get out <laughs> i swear uh -huh. 
after that, people were bringing like two cups of coffee and like you were doing everything you could to like not fall asleep in this little or not even give the uh, impression that you were falling asleep. But it was, it was just terribly boring because tons of information. So one tone. So uh, for me, the best presentations have a narrative. So you're telling a story. Absolutely. Because everybody can relate to a story. So uh, if you can keep people engaged by, you know, and I've always been so impressed, particularly with the early TED Talks. When the first TED Talks came out, they were, their their narratives were amazing. Yes. Right? They're not as amazing as they were because I think they just have so many more people doing, doing them. them yeah. But when they first yeah. came out, like you would, you know, you'd watch one and it, it could be talking about anything and you would be captivated. Right. Right. So this is, there's no PowerPoint. It's just somebody talking. Yeah. Right. And, uh, but those talks were, um, they, they, they were mesmerizing. You they see. were. And, um, and I think it's because it's all about stories. Yes. And uh, telling a story at the big setup, you know, teasing things as you go along. Um, and, uh, and then, the, then at the end, something interesting at the payoff. Right. But, uh, and, and I, I have to say the thing with PowerPoints is PowerPoints are sometimes a bit of a crutch. Um, they need to move along. You can have, uh, so while well, you can't do animations, if you can do like things that have interesting images right. or sketches or yeah. whatever and minimal, minimal, um, minimal text but yep. one slide per minute if you're going faster than that um then you're probably covering stuff too quickly and you're losing people right if you're going slower than that then people are getting bored yeah it's kind of a and that's a really rough but I, I so if i'm doing a 30 minute talk i have to have at least 30 slides but never more than 40 because right. i would find right. if i went to 40 I was uh, always late. Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so it. Yeah. Um, so I have a, I have sixty six slides for this. And how and long is your presentation? Be, it's gonna be about forty five minutes of actual talking. Mm-hmm. But I've got I gotta eliminate a bunch because there's the thank you at the end slide and the contact page. So you can take those out. So there's probably about eh, I think there's fifty one content slides, and mm-hmm. I'm actually gonna run the timing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and, a good and, good plan uh, because my big problem and my students would probably attest to this is sometimes if I'm not really careful or even in this podcast, I tend to like something will occur to me. It's like, Ooh, I'm going to tell this funny story about this particular thing. So I often meander off and I can go down. Tangents. Yeah. Well, they're not detached. They're more like deep dive and I can, I can go for like eight minutes sometimes when I'm teaching on, on a, on a topic or a subtopic and then realize, Oh crap. Now I'm going to run out of time. You know, so I'm I'm gonna discipline myself to uh, uh, stay on track. I think that's going to be important. Well, for me, I would use the. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of would run into the same problem, like because uh, again, I want to not have it scripted. I want to have it so that I'm covering topics and I'm talking a little bit more naturally. Yes. Um, but I would use the slides as kind of a prompter you need a roadmap like yeah, a, a exactly. roadmap and and kind of a guardrail yes keep you from falling off the edge yeah of the i'm also going to have my my big timer you know so when i'm practicing it i'm going to know okay like if i'm not if it's eight minutes in and i'm not here yet 
I'm, I'm in trouble. Start, you know, start speeding up a little, or maybe just cut. Well, it's hard to cut something out because you got slides. <laughs> well, it used to be for a while. I, and I think you can still do this. You could, you could time the slides. So you yeah. basically force them to go along, but that is jarring. Well, exactly. Um, I didn't tell you one thing I made a note. So I went to a webinar last week and uh, somebody I met through the network and they said, Oh, we're doing this webinar. And, and it was, it was okay. It was a conversation between two people. Um, I found that it was a little bit lacking in content, yeah. but the one thing, and I made a big note about this was don't introduce something and then not talk about it. So oh, okay. one of the people was an accountant and obviously super knowledgeable, but he kept saying that he kept like saying, well, you know, there's this kind of thing, but we don't really have time to talk about that. And I'm like, that's, that's not, not good. That's super annoying because, and it wasn't just one, I guess you could maybe get away with it. If there was one super important fact and you're just flagging it for people, but he kept doing that. He'd be like, blah, 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 tax code. You know, there's this kind of dispensation and, but you know, we don't really have time to talk about it. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to do that because people are then probably worried about well, what do I know well, about this? Right. Why, what, what, what is he talking about? Right. Which I guess brings it back to narrative. It'd be like if you, nothing worse than a story where there's like a character or some sort of subplot. That appears and then, and then never, and then never. And then you're like, well, what happened to that guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. So I think narrative is, is the key uh, and be a good storyteller. Try to figure out what the story is. Well, and, and, uh, and I think that uh, if, if you, um, if it comes off as a sales job, Right. Like just, you know, sign up here to find out the secrets to being a good presenter. Like, uh, no, yeah. It's, you need to basically convince people. I, I, there was a guy whose name is uh, Dotto, Steve Dotto. And he, right. he you was. mentioned this guy before. Yeah. yeah and uh, he always says, you've got to be prepared to give away some of your best stuff for free. Sure. Because if you do that, then people will come you know, follow up and, and, yeah. and use you. They will trust you. Exactly. Whereas if you, if it's all a sales job, they, no. they, they won't, they won't go to you yeah. because they, they think that they're just going to get a sales job. Exactly. So, so today, so the one I'm doing, I, the subtitle is seven things you must do. And I'm actually yeah. highlighting seven things and then telling people what, what they need to do. Now, the magic, of course, is it's like a lot of things. There's a lot of work behind There's it. There's a lot of work. And how do you actually execute it? But yeah, I'm not going to be like, here's seven things. And then, but I'm, like, and I'm only going to give you three. Yeah. If you want the other four, oh pay God. for my course online I've got for $500. so much stuff in my Facebook feed. And I'm, I'm all of these consultants and coaches and marketing experts. And it's just, it's madness, right? And uh, the narratives. And it's like uh, talking about, being you know uh, concise you'll get the the post and it's like five six pages of scroll on my phone to figure out what the hell they're talking about i'm like who this is just terrible but i'm seeing a lot of people are pushing back now saying like you know if you're so smart why are you selling this shitty course on the internet if you've raised two billion dollars in investment you know why aren't you out doing that right and and a few people have got back to them and they're quite defensive right i'm sharing this course because uh I want to give back to the world. It's like, yeah, bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Although, uh, although my brother, uh, he, he met this guy uh, who had made some crazy amount of money with laundromats. 
like oh wow like with uh, 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 money laundering <laughs> no no actual laundry machines okay so like in laundry machines in like rental units and all that stuff like he made money like a crazy amount of money right and then he would take clients it kind of was almost like charity work oh, okay. he was doing this on purpose to kind of pay back because he felt sure. so blessed right and he was giving advice so my brother ended up uh doing very well because specifically so he had um he had some money. So when my parents passed away, oh, it was 30 years ago, there was a small inheritance. It wasn't big, yeah. but it was small. Right. And he had a choice. So he was living in Vancouver when, you know, Vancouver has never had affordable housing, but it was more affordable than it is certainly. Right. Now. Yeah, that's And for sure. um, he had a choice. He could either um, use that money as a down payment on a house. Right. Or, or something smack, else. Smacking hookers. <laughs> Yeah. I guess or, he had three options. <laughs> Sometimes you go interesting places. <laughs> but he, uh, so it was going to cost about the same okay. for him to either buy a, a property or for residential or to buy a commercial property that had residential. Right. So, um, so he chose, oh, so his guy said, listen, why, why do this? You right. should go. So he ended this up. This is like 30 years ago? 30 years ago. So almost. it wouldn't have been on the internet then. Nope. Okay. And uh, so this guy uh, encouraged him to buy a, and it was a, so it was uh, not a rooming house, but it was a house, uh, an old house that had been split into oh, okay. like three, three different um property so sure so the other tenants were helping to pay the mortgage absolutely so um right. end up with the same cash outlay but in an incredibly different financial <clears throat> situation yeah this is so, guy, guy Kas, Ka, kawasaki's uh, uh theory about assets right is yeah. it an asset that is revenue generating or or wealth generating or is it an asset that is basically just depreciating yeah. Well, that's exactly that's yeah. like a car or something. Yeah. But the uh, no. But, but his argument is, if you want, if you want to buy a Porsche, buy an investment that generates cash flow, and then buy your Porsche with that cash flow, as exactly. opposed to buying the Porsche, which is immediately going to start to depreciate, exactly. right? So well, it's just, it's and, like, oh, and, smart. And my brother and his wife at so at the time there was just the two of them, and then so they were occupying one suite out of three and then they decided to make a fourth suite in the same same house okay and then then they had a kid and then they were kind of outgrowing it and they said well you know maybe what we'll do is we'll combine two of the suites and there's this the same laundromat guy basically says hold the phone stop you need to stop right now he says you need to move out of that house and uh and they're going like well where are we gonna live he says if you if you have new tenants in the two two suites that you want, you they will pay for your new place. Right. So go rent a house that's big enough, a, a little bit further away. That, that rent a house. Yep. And have it paid off by your new tenant. Sure. And uh, and keep that as a revenue generating. Yeah. So, so they did that. Yeah. And then they ended up in a position where um, the value of the whole house had increased enough. Right. That they remortgaged that house. And use the the uh, appreciation in the equity sure. as a down payment on a new house. Right. 
that they ended up moving into yeah. with renters in the basement. Sure. And so Beautiful. now they, and so they basically have. So that's how you do it, right? Yeah. You basically um, uh, sort of a hard look at the facts because right. basically they were going to spend money renovating this house that they were in because they owned it Yep. to, to become more of a, an expense and less of a revenue generator uh, and uh, it flipped it on its head. They were paying rent to some other person. Exactly. And, um, but they were having the mortgage, the, uh, the, the new, the, the old the tenants, the tenants basically yeah. paying their rent. Yeah. See, so that to come back to the, the question of presentation, um, sometimes you'll see these I experts. That was a rabbit hole. No, saw. no, that was, yeah, no, but, but really interesting. Um, yeah, so sometimes there's these experts. And so to me, like the first, the person that your brother ran into, that's real practical, fundamental exactly. stuff, right? Uh, probably not a, a, you know, a flashy, well-known guy, but some of these where it's like, um, oh, here, learn how to do so-and-so, you know, from some phenomenal um, um, prodigy. Uh, I don't make, that doesn't make a lot of sense either. Cause a lot of times it'll be like, well, just do what I did. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not you. Right. <laughs> that would be like learning piano from Mozart. He's like, well, first what you do is, you know, you start with an arpeggio and then you're like, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Right. So I think you're better off to find somebody who can tell the narrative, but, but is giving you like the process as opposed to some superstar who's like, maybe they don't even really know how they did it. And it's, more about their story and then and then you know i took this chance and i worked really hard and you're like okay but how do i how do i convert that into like me so your brother's guy was was really practical stuff right well, exactly well and, and i remember and a, time a presentation and some i saw a presentation by this guy and he was not the most dynamic speaker but right. he had some interesting perspectives and it like absolutely hooked me like so it was the story that he described so i ended up i so i also from my parents had this small inheritance it was right. very large but it was a little bit yeah so i had basically taken that and put that investing it in the stock market and all that stuff and i had a mortgage right and this guy basically said like what the hell are you doing Right. I'm going, well, I have a mortgage and I'm trying to, you know, be very cautious and yeah. conservative with my I said, total mistake. Cash everything out right now. And I'm going like, what? Yeah. He said, cash everything out. Pay off your mortgage. Now get a line of credit more uh, using the equity of your yep. house as a security and go buy Canadian stock. And I'm going like, why would I do that? He says, because if you invest in Canadian stock, you can write it all off on your taxes. You cannot write off your mortgage on your taxes. Yeah. Right. So you're earning uh, uh, an investment. Investment. You're paying mortgage, uh, mostly interest. Yep. And you can't write that off, and you have to pay uh, income tax on all of the uh, all of the income. So you need to flip that on its head. And, um, so I, you know, I had the same amount of money. There was no yeah. real physical difference, No, no. but there was this, these steps you go through and all of a sudden the, the circumstance was quite different. Yeah. See, these people are worth their weight in gold because, uh, you know, understanding like the mechanics of something like that yeah. is, and you know, it sounds like he was able to explain it in pretty simple terms. He did. Uh, so if you can find somebody like that. 
well, first of all, I think we should all aspire to be that right. in whatever area, you know, we're, we're playing in. But if you can find somebody like that, man, those people add value to your life because like you said, uh, on the surface of it, it doesn't seem like a big thing or that complicated, but just knowing that, oh yeah, but you know what? Just that little bit of, of difference, like you can actually well, one know, seemed like declare super- this on your taxes whereas versus you can't do it here. You're like, oh, that's a that's a hack, right? And the guy's like, yeah, absolutely. Right? Well, it's like a, beautiful. Okay, like uh, so if you, I think we talked about this before. If you have a bond, an actual bond, like, mm-hmm. and hold it till 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 the end, you get whatever the interest is, and right? It's guaranteed, and yeah, as long as the company's still around sure. or whatever. Um, but if you try and trade it and sell it, like on a a bond mutual fund. That yep. is not the same, and will you will be absolutely screwed? Oh like yeah, if you like think an, they're the same, yeah, that's right. I mean, it sounds no. very similar, oh, absolutely. but they're just absolutely yeah. different. No, you got to find the right people. Uh, you know, which can be somewhat hard to find, and and yeah. but they're usually not on Facebook telling you that you can make. You know, I'm making three hundred thousand dollars in ninety days. Really. Yeah, by selling you three and you're an here advertisement on that, Facebook. Get yeah, exactly. out of here. Exactly. That is exactly. <laughs> or the or the weight loss ones. Or there's a new one. Uh, and I don't know why this comes up in my feed. This is a new guy now, and he's talking about targeting. It's probably because I target business owners, and so does he. And his whole shtick now is something about uh, uh, get your wife back. Like, you know, be a real man. And <laughs> like. Wife back from what? Well, this idea that because you've been a business owner, totally aimed at like the baby boom guys, right? The, the, the toxic masculinity thing, you know, you've neglected your primary relationship, which may be true. Um, but, and again, it's like, here's a little bit of stuff and, and the, the slick video and then sign up for my thing. But again, the number of women that were responding in comments, it's like, why don't you go home and talk to her or, you know, like, you know, save yourself the course and don't be a jackass. Spend the time and, on uh, her instead yeah, of on the court. Learn some empathy and, and you know. But uh, but now there's this new narrative. Win her back, you know, uh, without a therapist. Oh, and the guy's totally anti-therapist, right? Don't go to marriage counseling because it's just going to make things worse. But come to my men-only webinar on how to win your wife back. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I don't know how effective our presentation was today or the narrative. Ah, we've done it again. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so what kind of media are you consuming? Man, I've been down the rabbit hole getting this this (laughs) webinar set. Uh, So I haven't been watching a lot of TV, honestly. But, uh, you know, some some, like I said, this this uh, Michael Levine podcast with Lex Fridman. Actually last week he was talking to uh, Ray Kurzweil about the singularity. And so uh, there's a lot of smart people out there and, and just so much stuff. And I've been watching a little bit about the, uh, the debacle in the UK. Oh yeah. <laughs> With uh, this uh, mini budget and, and the new government and then whoops, right. whoops. there's no way we're, backing down from what we've done. And then suddenly they're like, well, we're totally backing down from what we're done. Uh, not because it was wrong, but because everybody's talking about it and uh, you're, you're, you're taking away from the good things. It's like, what? 
So that's fascinating. And of course, where we live, we're about to have a switch in, oh, in leadership. And I'm, I'm a little concerned that we might be winding up in that kind of goofy scenario where people are like, what's going on? And we're in the backseat of the cab. Well, and if Danielle, <laughs> careening if Dan, down the if hallway. Danielle Smith wins, oh my God. Like, Well, she's almost guaranteed. Is she? I think so. I think she's way out ahead. I don't know who. Well, she's even... just, I mean, fundamentally, I mean, this is style over substance, right? She, she's oh, a good talker. Absolutely. She's a good talker, but she's really got no clue. Like, like yeah. it's just, it's, she's just so ill-informed about stuff. Right. She just presents it so well. Yeah. Well, it's this populist thing, you know, again, just linking it back to what we're just talking about. It's the, it's the non-sexy, politician who we seem to have abandoned who knows what they're talking about and knows what and, they're doing and goes here's what we're going to do blah 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 and they get totally drowned out by the the it's the equivalent of the make three hundred thousand dollars in 30 days or you know lose 60 pounds in a week you know schmuck on on there that is getting the rubes i'm sorry to say it and and hitting that emotional irrational button and like yeah we are hard done but right we see it in the states we see it in england we see it there's just so many places and i think it's accelerated by, by our phones social and social media and this idea that uh well and and we can fix things just super easy well right? part of these no, talk, talk shows is they are looking for stuff that is uh controversial just to try and get people to listen and then they'll, they'll take controversial positions just to get people fired up so that they will, you know, listen or participate. Well, I can't believe that they're letting people come into my country. Well, they always have. Like, yes. Without. Right. Like. Uh, well, it's getting scary, though. Like, ugh. you know, some of these because uh, there's always been misunderstandings and. But you see some of these, like the good liars go to these some of these rallies, and we'd be no better off here, no. honestly. No. And asking people, you know, kind of where their positions are. And then you just realize, holy man, this person has no idea what they're talking about. Like they've totally been fed some kind of, of narrative that doesn't really hold logic. Exactly. You know, uh, so it's a bit scary. It's a bit scary. But, you know, we have to carry on. And uh, uh, the other one, and, and you're talking about Scott Galloway. I was listening to Pivot yesterday and they were interviewing a, a woman. I can't remember her name now, but she started a new online media news thing. She's a journalist and she was tired of the game. And they were joking about that, like the, the mainstream media with the everything is a crisis, right? And it was like, is your dryer secretly killing you? You know, uh, after these ads, we'll, you know, we'll tell you. And oh my god, like what's happening with my dryer? And it turns out probably no. not, right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh it's that constant spike of endorphins with who ah, he, you know, yeah. and anger and fear and and so that's why Connect Two Podcast, we guarantee You'll we be promise <laughs> we won't scare you with uh nonsense. <laughs> If we if we tell you something scary, you can trust us. It's probably going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, on a happy note, uh, for media I've been consuming, uh, I watched the fourth episode of Andor. I really quite enjoyed that. Did you watch Mm -hmm. any of it? No. Not yet. I've just been backed up. It is... um, uh, Different, I hear. Yeah, I I actually... It's... um, it's what the story is evolving and yeah. uh it's uh it is unlike some of the star wars stuff it's more i mean it, it's more nuanced in the story so yeah. uh, mandalorian was like that right Andor is like that uh mandalorian is more of a, a hero grown-up star wars yeah right? i mean there's no uh it, it's not especially violent not especially it's just a better story yeah like a better yeah, yeah, yeah. better developed story good and you know not the girl saves a boy saves girl because girl's in trouble and like that's the i mean the original star wars was sure well it was it's purely the hero's journey yeah like it follows that model yeah this uh, is uh, have to go on a journey this is I mean, like it's uh, all part of it because really so andor is was a spy and assassin or whatever we don't even really know in rogue one right he kind of is a and um and this is his backstory about okay. how he became that so uh so we still don't really know what he's going to become right in the fourth episode but you're starting to you know they're developing this character so Interesting. it's a hero's journey but a different kind of hero yeah, yeah 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 so. yeah okay and uh she hulk awesome. again yeah, still jury's out on She-Hulk. <laughs> so I don't know how of, many episodes. We're running out of episodes. They're like on seventh. I just yeah. saw the seventh. I uh, we've again I've fallen behind. We were away and we probably won't catch up until after Thanksgiving. I mean, I, I'm enjoying it for what it is. It is. It uh, is. It is a. Uh, it is definitely lighter fare. Yes, and, I saw a very cool picture of the two actresses though. Oh yeah, uh, Malaya. Or, yeah. So I. I so she's I like six five or something. Six five and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a. Uh, I, I uh, on the fa- our Facebook group, I've posted a link to her profile. Six yeah. Foot five. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah. That that, that they're doing it that way. Um, yeah, we'll see. I saw the trailer for Wakanda Forever, the second trailer. Yeah. It looks pretty good. Looks interesting. Namor, which we kind of knew was coming. And, yeah. Uh, and is it, uh, is, it Sh- is it Shuri? Everybody's th- thinking it is now, given mm. that last scene. Definitely a female. Doesn't, doesn't look like Lupita Nyong'o. <laughs> uh, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. Right? They're, they're known for throwing us uh, Curve the curveballs. And what do you think about Wolverine's coming back? Wow, for Deadpool? Yes. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, I it's, think it's it, going to be amazing. I think it's going to be so much fun. Those I, two have such a great, uh, well, great you know, banter between. What them. I read is they're they're talking about they're going to do it like a like a, a buddy on the road movie. Like it's going to harken back to like the old Bing Crosby, uh, uh, Bob Hope type things where they have to go, or uh, Charles Grodin and done it with. Uh, Robert De Niro, right back in the '80s, and just a classic road trip for some purpose, and and stuck in the car together, and and so I think it has some real potential to be. Well, I remember when hilarious, and you're right, they they get along in a way. They get that, along you know, in a way that is a bit surprising because it was kind of like this faux rivalry that came yes. up, and uh, Ryan Reynolds totally played it up, and then yeah. they they kind of bought into it, like a like a. Hugh Jackman has, uh, I don't know if it's a winery or something in. He has a coffee 
he some, makes but coffee. It's something in 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 Australia and then uh, and then there's gin, that, American gin, yeah, aviation gin, aviation gin, and that is Ronald Reynolds. And uh, so they were making an ad for each other, and then uh, Ryan Reynolds did this, and it's like this this very. Uh, very endearing yes uh, uh, i saw that for hugh jackman's thing and hugh jackman thought it was or, or at least the, they set the, it up so they set it, it up so he thought it was a joke and he was and his ad was very disparaging yeah that's right and i use it to uh yeah so he's he was like a little shocked Anyway, faux shock. Was that the one where he just opens the bottle and he lets it pour out? Right, yeah, and he's yeah. like, I'll have to try the gin sometime. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyway, it's... Uh, yeah, I think, that's, I think that has some potential to be pretty funny. But we'll um, yeah, I think we should wrap it up. I think so. Um, We've probably said too much. <laughs> but I'm enjoying it. Uh, Let's be honest. And we, next we week, we could do this. Next for, week, we have we a guest. We could go for four hours if, if yeah, if we need. We to. didn't restrain ourselves. Uh, next yes. week, we should be having a guest. Yes. So, uh, surprise guest. Yeah, exactly. Uh, repeat guest. Actually, there's a there's a there's hint. A We've only had one, so you go back and watch the old episodes. You'll or listen to them. You'll know who's coming. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go and work on my webinar. Yay! Okay. Thanks, Bart. We'll see you next week. You bet. Take care. Bye. Bye.